bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus politics, like we're talking about reality TV. Happy one year coronavirus anniversary, meow meow. Wow, a year. Exactly one year ago, we left Australia the same day Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson got there and announced they had coronavirus. It's been like one fucking year. One year. I cannot believe it's been a year. So much I has mean, happened and so little. Yeah, I mean, the world has changed and yet, I mean, not that much has changed in a weird way. Certainly, I look around and I go, well, I've changed physically. But other <laughs> than that, I mean, not really much else. It was definitely, it's been surreal. And now we got a, a life update from one of our 14 listeners, Christine Snyder. And it reminded me of when she sent her last life update. It was right before the pandemic hit. And she was like, here's to money 20. And it's oh, like money right, fucking 20. Right. Ended up being COVID 20. It's just like, <laughs> it's just surreal. It's really honestly just surreal. Completely surreal. I mean, and even at the beginning, it was like, oh, it's a flu. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And it's turned into a full pandemic. And now... A pandemic that has offshoots and it's never going to fucking end. And I remember we went to the DMV before we left to go to Australia. And I was like, felt like shit that day. And I was yeah. like, I have coronavirus. I have coronavirus in my driver's license picture. Yeah. And it's like, we knew it was around and we right. still went on the plane, went yeah. to Australia. We're in Australia. <laughs> like everybody knew. It wasn't like a thing nobody knew. It didn't show up with Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. We, it was all there. We just were acting like it was H1N1. It was fucking. Yeah, well, it felt like nobody knew. Nobody knew anything. SARS. So was, right. It all just seemed like it was yeah. whatever it was before and it's going to be fine. Yeah. Whoever would have thought it was the black fucking plague <laughs> yeah. going around the world, taking 500,000 people out just in this country alone. I mean, it's crazy. And we think, I mean, we don't know. But certainly the day that we, you felt like shit and then you told me I looked like I had no blood in my body. <laughs> and now I wonder like, well, man, when did, that was the day that I had it. I was surprised that your, you know, Jewishiness hadn't kicked in to being full neurotic, which it, to this, your, your, well, the skin on your hands is gone. Gone. And the minute I was gone. like, um, you don't look well, there's a <laughs> pandemic going on. And then it, that clicked you into like, uh, you know, incessantly and obsessively <laughs> cleaning the car, using hand sanitizer, using wipes, Clorox uh -huh. wipes. And I, you, you, yeah. I'd see you put the Clorox wipes on your hands and I would go, those are not for skin. <laughs> those are for countertops. But these are wipes. <laughs> like, yeah, well, now it's completely different. Now I don't want to be around people. I'm a total whatever. 
I don't even know what it's called. Though I wouldn't, I'm not mad at it. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm so far as like, sir, <laughs> sir, you're not wearing a mask. I mean, that's not happening. No. However, um, for my own bubble and my own world and who, where, where I'm, when I have to go out in the world. Oh yeah, no, I'm waiting in the grocery store. When somebody's coming down the aisle, I turn around or I walk the other way or I walk around. I'm like, I also don't. I see the people by the chicken, and I'm not going to go reach over the person by the chicken, which I maybe have done before. Now I'm going to wait. <laughs> which was inappropriate before as well. <laughs> right. Oh, I get furious when I'm with you at the grocery store because I'm like, why are you coming? We're already in the aisle. We've already, this is our space. We have this space. We've uh, claimed it. We don't. You don't need to yeah. come down here and look through the paper towels. We're doing it now. You wait. Nobody's socially distanced. No. I mean, I'm less no. bothered by masks, not over noses and masks and that stuff. I don't care as much as just because uh, I appreciate the new privilege I have of step away, don't <laughs> yeah, come near me. Right. I like that. I don't need. I really don't. I honestly don't care. I'd rather that people not even be in mass and just be far have away. Have a force field around me. Yes. yes where they exactly. just can't come in my dance yeah. space. No, I, I, I have to agree with you on that, and that's what makes me feel the most safe. And I'm mostly, I went to Trader Joe's the other day and I had to get some shit, whatever. I walked out. There was a lady in front of me and she, there was a lady in front of her. So the lady in front of her was whatever. The lady in front of me was going extra slow as to not get near the lady in front of her. Now I'm going extra slow to not get in front of the lady in front of me. And I'm, as much as I appreciate it, I'm also annoyed because I'm like, I have a place to go. (laughs) So we need to move along. along, move along. <laughs> I'm, I appreciate we're all very far apart. There's just no winning. That's the thing. Nope. There's no winning. I, as much as I appreciate that, now I'm annoyed. Well, you've got to have just, all the time in the world. Yeah, you got to have all the time <laughs> in the world. That's the problem. But we now that we're getting back to life, we don't have all the time in the world. So oh, we got to step it up. The traffic's back. Traffic is back. We are like an exposed nerve. I'm like, how mm-hmm. fucking dare people? Oh, it's back. People are... <laughs> road raging out there are no everyone's annoyed we're all feeling that we're all feeling the hurry up but stay away from me be careful don't get close i've got somewhere to go can't you see i need to get in there it's 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 a lot on our patreon we discussed what almost came into be a physical altercation between you Mm -hmm. and a south african man (laughs) in malibu um and he was in a lovely vintage Land Rover uh-huh. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, very wealthy, very wealthy, yeah, privileged white man, which doesn't make it better. It does. It, it, no, it, it, it made it worse because uh-huh. mm-hmm. you liked his car. You like how dare he have that <laughs> fucking truck? Ugh. Oh, I'm sure he's fit too. I'm sure he's a good body. Oh, I'm sure he gets everything he wants. <laughs> and he like followed us and needed to tell me to roll down the window so him and you and him could get into a yelling fight. And I was like, it's COVID. What do you need? I don't have a mask on. And I like cracked it. Like what? And he's like, oh, you had to flip me off. And I'm like, Julie, why'd you flip him off? Because <laughs> he's a fucking dick. Okay. So even though it's America's one year COVID-versary, mm-hmm. we are still celebrating Valentine's Day over here <laughs> because we try to just parcel out you know the love that we get we right. don't want to just it, right we could, we could just knock it all out do one whole episode on mm-hmm. just us yeah but so we're still getting valentine's <laughs> treats and uh-huh. still going through them and so christy coke sent us a bob ross coloring book also a favorite <laughs> of the of the patreon oh. we we did a deep dive into bob ross and how we believe that he is 
he was undercover CIA. Yep. Mm-hmm. And don't fall for the banana and the tailpipe of the happy little trees. Okay. But we are <laughs> living for this. It's the official Bob Ross coloring <gasps> book. Oh my God. Listen, don't fall for the banana <laughs> and the perm. Okay. <laughs> Do not. Oh Do not. my God. And then she got us a Valentine's gift set of Lionel Richie's Hello Cologne. Hello. And Body Wash, also a favorite of the Patreon. Yeah, we do love a Lionel Richie hello moment. We do. We have some stories about that. Yeah, we've done several deep dives into his problematic video for Hello, (laughs) where he's teaching a blind student and coming on to her. Right. And she's not only is she blind, she's much younger than him and she's his student. Exactly. And the Me Too... The Me Too of it all. It should be called Me Too. Exactly. <laughs> I'm stalking you in class. I mean, it's it's inappropriate. It, if, talk about removing it's Dr. Seuss. All I can say is that Lionel Richie's on American Idol living his best life. Talk about crying when he's seeing some girl sing or crying because this, this is that moving and this, that, the moving. And he's trying to be all he's this, not gonna that, cancel. or the other thing. At all. There's not one cancellation of him at all. The, at the level. level. The, the 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 video honestly just do a quick YouTube and get ready to have your mind blown <laughs> that it, it was ever even and I'm not even advocating fun. for him to get canceled but I'm just saying like come on so like I mentioned earlier our girl Christine Snyder sent us a life update uh-huh. and a new picture for the drug den bulletin board so I'm like living and loving and laughing for these life update pictures I love we have 14 listeners so the only way we can fill up the bulletin board is by people sending us <laughs> more updated updated photos (laughs) so her first picture that she sent which we love it's it's her and her husband on their wedding day Uh and like going through the line where people are like holding sparklers and stuff and Mm -hmm. it's like and she told us that one of them looked like they were trying to squeeze out a fart i never remember if it was her or him then she sent us right before the pandemic she sent us this huge china's on like gift package because they had gotten two new dogs and she was all stoked about like their new puppas Mm -hmm. And she said she wanted us to see that marriage made her fat. So she sent us the cutest. <laughs> we have her picture now with their little puppas. It's so uh, cute. And now, I mean, I guess they got to get on busy. She said, here's 2020. It's going to be great. A month later, you know, we're all in quarantine. And I guess they just started like really knocking the boots because now there's a new oh. addition to the family. And she is an angel. I mean, this pandemic really, it did bring like a lot of, a lot of little babies. It's like the new baby boom. It's like the, it's the COVID baby boom. Yeah, it really is. I think there, I wonder if they're going to be called like, you know, like there's baby boomers. Like pandemic boomers or something. (laughs) Pandoomers. Yeah, pandoomers. How exciting. She says, sending some updated pictures. This is my third card oops as we recently welcomed the newest DGP baby. Vivian Gilda was born on 124 and will likely be confused on who her mom is as she has heard her voices way more than mine for nine months and counting. The Patreon is the only thing that got me through labor. I'm so proud for Viv to join the most prestigious group of DGP babies. Thank you for all the laughs and wishing you both an amazing forever 21 Christine Snyder. Well, that's amazing. Amazing. We know that Vivian is Julia Roberts' name and pretty woman. So you cannot go wrong there. We also know Julie has the same birthday as Gilda Radner. Mm-hmm. She's, you're a huge Gilda Radner huge, stan. Yes, to, to, huge. To the death. You like love, love, love. So love. that's, it's very connected. It is very, very connected. Very connected. Um, also, Jen Psaki, her daughter's name is Genevieve and they call her Vivi. Right. And I mean, Vivian's probably going to go by Viv. Right. But still, it's kind of close to Vivi. 
they're in a photo shoot. They're in a nursery. We love, love, love our DGP babies. Love. Mm -hmm. It's the only reason we keep doing this stupid fucking podcast. (laughs) I mean, and here's to money 20. And then she still even said, here's to forever 21. Like Christine, just staying positive. Just got to stay positive because God knows that in a month, a flesh eating disease is going to come around and our heads are all going to be bobbling around the street. Now, speaking of DGP babies, mm-hmm. Paris Tun mm-hmm. sent us an updated picture of our daughter, Goldie oh, Goldman. Okay, good. Now, we haven't heard from Paris in a minute, and um, we were missing our little baby girl. I mean, Goldie Goldman, okay. <laughs> um, she, like... I don't know what to say, for, uh, During the, the pandemic, during the quarantine, mm-hmm. Goldie's hairdo <laughs> selfies were some of... They really were the bright spots mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. Paris would put her doing all of Julie's different hairdos <laughs> on the community page of the Patreon. Uh, this is what you're missing if you're not on the Patreon yeah. because and Goldie's a star. Goldie is a uh, Goldie's <laughs> going to definitely be some sort of performer because yeah. there's a lot of personality She's there. So Even much- just in a picture. You're yeah. like, damn. And like Julie Paris, when we got the, the she sent us a Valentine's card. And she's like, here's an here's a sexy updated picture for the drug den bulletin board. Love you guys. And like Paris, when Julie saw it, like like the level that Julie's obsessed with Goldie Goldman's her daughter. She's like, look at her. She's just so cute. She's she so funny. So much charisma, <laughs> yeah. uniqueness, and charm. She, she has does. so much charisma, uniqueness, and charm. Not to take away from any of their DGP babies no, with course. their charisma, uniqueness, and charm. Yes. But I'm just saying, in these pictures, it, there's just something going on. I yeah. don't know what it is. Of course, and Julie's like, well, it's Goldie Goldman. So, and Julie <laughs> sings, sees herself since that's her. Do you think that's what she thinks my hairdo is like now? <laughs> I wonder. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) We kept Goldie, her newborn shot Mm -hmm. in the center Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. around the, with the other DGP babies. But we, we went ahead and put Paris and Goldie from Valentine's, a sexy updated Valentine's pick (laughs) next to Paris and Jennifer. Right. And we're just going to keep, we're just going to keep it going because with, with the babies, we just got to keep seeing them get bigger and bigger. bigger. Like we have Suvi when Suvi's a baby and then now, you know, but now Suvi and Zinnia are, even older than that now. It's like right. these kids, ugh, I hate change. I hate change. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> makes me feel weird. I'd rather sit in a quarantine for a year mm-hmm. and look at me and you and be like, well, nothing's really changed. It just, it just stayed the same right. rather than like a year passes by and you're like, well, you look 15 now and last year you were eight. Right. That's gotta be such a mind fuck. Gotta be a mind fuck. Not, not to mention... Well, the last year I met the love of my life. Um, we went on an alpine skiing reservation where we unearthed some archaeology. And that was amazing. And I found that I was a, a connected to a royal lineage up there in Sweden. So now we've had three kids in a year, which is crazy because that's not even it's normal. And uh, it's just been an incredible year. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like, do you know okay. where the top two um, the diet pills are? Because it seems lost and they all spilled out in my purse. Well, I demand, Paris, that you go back. I don't know. We hadn't heard from you for a minute. We were scared that Goldie found her real father and found out it wasn't Julie. So I now that we see that she hasn't, we need you to go back on the community page. We need monthly Goldie mm-hmm. hairdo selfies mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And by the way, these demands work. Janet, damn it, Janet Dodds. <laughs> yeah. When I demanded she go on the website and tell mm-hmm. us where she's from and buy a shirt while, while she's at it. She did. She did. She did. She went on she to JulianBrandy.com, bought herself a shirt. Janet, I still haven't mailed it out, but we will. And 
I I was touched. I was like, Janet bought a shirt. <laughs> I can't believe it. And she's from Texas. Don't we feel we know so much more about Janet now because we know she's from Texas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all it's all there. So Paris, we insist we need the Goldie like Please. we need the Goldie laughs mm-hmm. and the smiles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, Craig and Jeremy heard McKinney, ah. the DGP mayors yes. of Seattle. <laughs> yes. Okay, they sent us a huge box Mm. of assorted crunchies from nuts.com. They got us six big bags of all different shit, like the mix of champions, (laughs) toasted corn, like basically like corn nuts, salted mixed nuts, which is all like peanuts, almonds, Mm -hmm. Brazil nuts, like all the all the baller nuts that you could ever want. The VIP baller nuts. Hey, ladies, after listening to Julie's highly relatable craft services nightmare story, I decided to visit my favorite go to crunchy snack place to stock you up for future outdoor feet up on the table sessions. Miss you and hope we'll get to see you again soon for more dumb gay fun. Jeremy and Craig. And you know what? Thank you, because you've now opened my world to a new crunchy snack destination. All right. Now it's time for Jojo and Kiki. Lock the doors, Well, this week, Jojo and Kiki finally got it done. It's like the first real time we're doing the Jojo and Kiki segment. You know what I mean? It's the first. I feel like it's even in the inauguration, blah, blah, blah. I feel like this is the first real time. This is the way this segment is was supposed to be. Finally. And here's here's how it's going to go. The Senate Democrats passed Joe Biden's sweeping COVID relief bill. And you know what that means? Time to start incessantly checking the IRS website for our $1,400 stimulus checks. I just did my taxes and I um, mailed off a $6,000 check to the IRS. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, um, they can go ahead and send me the $1,400 <laughs> like yesterday. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are going to have to turn around and send it right back to the federal government. I know I am. And they wonder why it never actually stimulates the economy. Because you know why? People have bills, girl. They, they have worries have and they have bills. They have bills, girl. No one is down at Walmart buying the new PS5 with an extra controller because they have to pay their back taxes and back rent and back utility bills. Exactly. But thank God the shit is finally happening. It's going to go to Joe Biden's desk. He's going to sign it. And it's all, all happening. They've been talking about these fegging checks <laughs> for four months. Yeah. Four months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're going to do, they did the 600. We're going to do the 1400. We're going to make it the round 2000. Four months. And finally on Saturday, all 50 Democrats, 5 0, in the Senate voted yes to pass JoJo's America Rescue Plan, which won out against the 49 Republican senators who all voted no. And Dan Sullivan, the Republican senator from Alaska, who would have been the Republicans' 
50th no vote, but he got mysteriously called away for a family emergency <laughs> in Alaska, mm-hmm. denying us the WAP we've been waiting for when Kamala Harris was going to come in and break the tie. Fucking Mitch McConnell, he always finds a way to dick us over and ruin our WAPs. It's, 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 he just, for one second, we thought that Kiki was going to come in and be able to do the tie, and he figured out you how did. to stop her from doing it. Dan Sullivan had been there all week. He's been there the entire time. And then suddenly the day of the vote when it was going to come down to a 50-50 tie and Kamala Harris was going to break the tie, he's mysteriously called to the wilderness of Alaska. <laughs> with I mean, all due to like the, the, the couple of our, our amazing listeners that live in Alaska. We say that with love to you. Obviously. And I think that it's pretty clear, but I'm quite sure Dan Sullivan didn't have anything no, to go back no, for. No. There's no way that all of a sudden during the vote, he just wasn't there. His emergency was that Kamala Harris was going to come in and break the tie. Exactly. And every Republican's dick shriveled up to their asshole. And they were like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. So they said, Dan, you go. Yeah. No one will notice. And right. Went, OK. So like we discussed last week in our new segment, here's what Republicans are cock blocking now. The bill went through without the provision that would have raised the federal minimum wage to $15 by 2025. That truly sucks. But we're trying to focus on all the great things in the bill that did make it through and not fixate on the long-term transformative effects that a minimum wage increase would have brought to so many communities across the country. We say transformative a lot in the next 10 minutes because it could have been transformative and then what's there is transformative. But I'm trying not to fixate, but I am fixating. I'm fixating. Um, Because not only did the Republicans keep their thumb... Once again, on struggling working class people, they also once again swooped in and saved all their rich buddies and corporate cronies from having to come up off their cash in their pockets to pay people a living fucking wage. It's another instance of Republicans fighting to keep the status quo. They keep the rich rich and the poor poor. And there's literally no reason for them to want poor or broke people to earn more money because all that will do is give power to the powerless and voices to the voiceless. And Republicans see no benefit for themselves in doing that. They're owned by the lobbyists, big banks and churches. They're pretending to be the working class party. That's their whole big thing now. They're the working class class party of all the nasty white supremacist QAnon mm-hmm. fucking tools mm-hmm. but they're really just the party of white grievance and they are getting away with it by exploiting the one main characteristic that all of their voters share ignorance you're right you're absolutely right Mitch McConnell famously said that members of the House and the Senate can vote any which way they want in Congress and their constituents will never know the difference and he's right He is hands down the most evil, diabolical, Machiavellian person to ever serve in the United States Congress. And yet he gets reelected every time. The people of Kentucky have no idea the lengths he goes. And the ones who do are gerrymandered or defrauded into a situation where their votes don't make a difference. It's true. Now, I do believe and we think that people have become more civic minded since Trump and then even more aware since the pandemic but for the most part people are not paying attention to how their stupid representatives and senators are voting in congress they don't even really know and i should say we the only reason we know anything is just because of the stupid podcast right but when we didn't have this podcast we didn't know what legislation was we didn't know yeah. mitch mcconnell we didn't know what mitch mcconnell fucking was yeah. so people don't know what they're voting on. They don't know what bills are there. They don't know what judges are there. They don't know who's taking it, who's blocking it, who's this, who's that, who's doing a thumbs down. And especially the people who get their information from Fox News, 
Republicans not only count on this fact, they double down on it. And they take credit for every good piece of legislation, whether yeah. they voted for it or not. And that's just a fact. Not one single Republican in Congress, and we say again, not the 200 in the House of Representatives and not the 50 in the Senate voted yes on JoJo and Kiki's COVID relief bill. But the bill is wildly popular with both Democrats and Republicans in every single state in America. Why? Because people need fucking help. They want stimulus checks and extended unemployment benefits. And rather than people in Texas or Kentucky or Alaska realizing that they wouldn't have any help at all if their elected officials had their way, Lisa Murkowski and Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell are all going to take credit for this bill like they're the ones responsible for helping all their constituents when the truth is the exact opposite. The whole fucking thing is a shell game and Republicans always win. Yeah, and they won the minimum wage increase right out the bill. So that's not there, but there's plenty of other great stuff to be excited about and to spread the word that Republicans voted no on. So here's what Jojo and Kiki and the Democrats in Congress got for America. Okay, we got our $1,400 stimulus checks. I can never say the word stimulus. I can never (laughs) literally say the word stimulus. You can cash that check, though. I can. You'll be getting a direct deposit, so you will not be cashing it. <laughs> that is true. Now, this money is for Americans making less than $80,000 a year, but they probably won't even be too strict on that. So don't worry if you made over that, but you still need the money. If you need the money, you will most likely get it. There's extended unemployment benefits of an additional $300 every week for the next six months. Thank God. Yep. We got $150 billion for schools, $350 billion for states and cities, $27 billion for rental assistance assistance, tons of money for vaccine rollouts in every state. But the most historical and transformative thing in the bill, see there's transformative, is the child tax credit that will give qualified American parents $300 a month for each child they have. Mm. Now, this is the real gag, my mouth. It basically amounts to an Andrew Yang style guaranteed basic income for poor and middle class families. And it's going to lift more than 50 million children out of poverty The national food insecurity stopped being polite and got really real in the (laughs) pandemic, okay? And most of America has been unable to recover. Mm. The bill and this tax credit for families with children is going to change the future of millions of Americans for the better. The implications are incredibly profound and unprecedented in terms of legislation. Democrats in Congress were full on fucking crying. Okay, super boo, Sherrod Brown. (laughs) There's two senators, obviously, of Ohio. One is Republican and one's Democrat and the Democrats, Sherrod Brown. He was crying and said, this is the best day of my life in the Senate. He fucking said that. In less than 45 days, Joe Biden is already considered one of the most transformative. There it is again. Presidents (laughs) in modern history. I am so, so happy for him and happy for working parents who have spent the last year with their heart in their throats, waiting in food lines or even just waiting in lines at Costco, Mm -hmm. literally wondering how the fuck they were going to come out of this. Okay, like a lot of them right now might not even realize that this is going to happen, but nothing like this has ever been done. I'm just like really, really, really excited to see people's lives change. Yeah, me too. Completely. It's it's a it's a it's a pretty good day. And this is when I like to remind everyone once again that every Republican in Congress voted (laughs) no. Every Republican. Hello. Uh, Attention. Attention. (laughs) Attention world. Every Republican in Congress voted no. Even the quote-unquote good ones, Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney or anyone else Democrats have been lionizing, they all voted no. 
So now begins our campaign to let their voting record follow them and haunt. <laughs> now, we need to stop the pattern of Mitch McConnell election strategy based on ignorance. Time to wake up the Facebook Fox News zombies. So if you have good friends or close family that are Republicans from one of the following states, we urge you to shoot them a message on Facebook or Instagram or good old fashioned text or email or write a letter with your hands mm -hmm. reminding them that the Republican senators from their state voted no on the extended unemployment benefits and they voted no on their $1,400 stimulus check and they voted no on the monthly $300 tax break for each of their Republican children. That's right. So again, what you're going to do is contact any friends or family that you know who are Republican and living in any of the following states. And then you're going to casually ask them if they're excited about their stimulus checks. <laughs> and if they are, you need to let them know that their beloved Republican senators voted no. And they need to remember to vote their ass out <laughs> in 2022. So here we go. Alabama, we're looking at you. Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin and Wyoming. We all know people in these states. People, we 14 listeners in these states. They're not Republicans, so they're, it's not going to work if you do it on your friends that are Democrats. Right. It has to be your friends who are Republicans, who vote Republican. They vote down party line, whether they're QAnon, whoever the fuck they are. And then just be like, I know you're waiting for your stimulus check, boo. <laughs> yeah, right. You better go ahead and vote Ted Cruz now then. <laughs> go ahead and vote him now. That's right. Get all your best fake passive aggressive Facebook comments ready because these Republicans need to wake the fuck up and recognize what their senators stand for. And it isn't helping them. The Republicans took out the minimum wage increase and they insisted on narrowing the scope on who could get the stimulus check based on how much money they make. When really, all they needed to do was make an option where people could opt out of getting the money or the tax breaks or the unemployment if they didn't want it or didn't need it. But they'd never make that an option because they know that no one would use it. Because the thing is, it isn't that Republicans living in South Carolina and Texas don't want the free money. Of course they want the free fucking money. They just don't want the rest of us to have it. Okay, now we get to go to SKU and learn something. Now it's time for Brandy and I to ride our tiny bicicleta to skew. This is our segment called Time for Skew, where a live person teaches us something. And today we're going to learn everything we can in 30 minutes about foreign policy. And we're going to learn a lot because our quarantine professor for the day is the executive director of the Leadership Council for Women in National Security, 
Lindsay Rodman. Her title says it all, but we really couldn't ask for a better person to teach us about foreign policy than Lindsay Rodman. Not only did she serve eight years active (laughs) duty in the Marine Corps, she then worked as a political appointee in the Pentagon, and later she was an executive for the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. She knows the subject inside and out, which is good, considering we don't really know shit about foreign policy. But we are excited to learn all about it and even more excited to learn about it from the executive director of the Leadership Council for Women in National Security. So without further ado, it's time for Foreign Policy Skew with Lindsay Rodman. Hi, Hi Lindsay. Lindsay. Hi. <laughs> okay, so I just want to warn you right off the bat that this is going to be more like remedial foreign policy school. <laughs> I am the absolute worst when it comes to anything involving wars, NATO, NAFTA, Benghazi, when people used to talk about Hillary Clinton and the Benghazi emails, Julie knows my eyes will glaze over. It's like a trigger word. I'm just like, oh, God, what is this about? So why don't you just start us out by defining foreign policy and explaining why it's so crucial to the success of any given administration, our lives, the country? (laughs) Well, there is sort of the backdrop, which even in the most peaceful times, the way that we interact with the world contributes to American wealth, American prosperity, right? I mean, it, it, the America's leadership role in the world really facilitates us having the country that we have today. Um, but there's also the fundamental question of our safety and security. Part of being a global leader is that people threaten us. And a lot of our foreign policy is also just about keeping Americans safe. So um, to keep us safe and secure and happy and healthy and fed, we need strong foreign policy. When you hear people, um, and you know, depending whatever the administration is or the time, we've heard these sort of phrases bandied about like, this is about open borders and globalization and blah, 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 and the foreign policy in America first. When you hear stuff like that, does your brain explode? Like, can you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because what you just said seemed very, very rational and simple to understand why foreign policy is so important. But to a lot of people in the country, foreign policy is almost like a negative. Yeah. So I will say my brain does explode when I hear it from people who I know know better. Right. Um, right. But, but my brain does not explode when uh, an average American who does not naturally normally engage with foreign policy does not understand why the U.S. government is spending gajillions of dollars abroad when there's poverty still at home. Like, I totally get that mental disconnect, right? Like, if we are this wealthy country that is so prosperous, how can we still see people suffering at home and be spending gajillions of dollars abroad? So that makes sense. And I do think that it's the job of our leaders in Washington to do a better job of articulating why it matters. And I don't know that we always do. And I think we got hijacked for a little while by a guy who was pretty good at arguing why it doesn't matter. Yeah. Tell us the difference between Biden's foreign policy now in terms of like philosophy and implementation as compared to like Trump's foreign policy. Right. So this is like two sides of a very confusing spectrum, neither of which has much clarity. Um, (laughs) So on the Trump side, the foreign policy was like, we don't want to have one because America first. Please don't ask any follow-up questions. Um, the On the Biden side, um, there's a lot of competing interests. And a lot of people have said, you know, uh, the Biden 
approach to foreign policy in general, but also um, approach to governance is a real extension of the Obama administration. And in the Obama administration, they said that their foreign policy was not to do stupid stuff. Um, and that was actually literally the Obama era articulation of what our foreign policy was. So even for foreign policy people, um, that kind of makes sense, except it doesn't tell you anything, right? <laughs> um, and so there is a question now about like, what is the Biden foreign policy? And they've said, they love the pithy quotes. They've said that their foreign policy is America's back. Great. Okay. America's back. That sounds good. I like it. I think <laughs> I still don't know what it says, what it means. I think it means America's back to not doing stupid stuff. I still support <laughs> that. Um, uh, but there's a real question about what, what does that mean? What are we back to? And, uh, what does it mean for America to be back? And I think this is the real tough part. If our country is going to seesaw like this, what does that mean to foreign countries that are trying to interact with us? Right. America's back until 2024. Yeah. I don't even know what America's back means, but America's back until 2024. And all of our friends and allies are looking at us and saying, and then we really have no idea. And that really affects our ability to interact with you with any time horizon that goes beyond 2024. Because then we can be vulnerable. We're like Britney Spears in the conservatorship. <laughs> like the minute they know when the conservatorship's over, they can come for us or do any which thing. It's always going to change. Right. Well, there's no consistency. Yeah. yeah. So we're not yeah. and we're not like a good parent. We're an inconsistent um, person or friend and they can't count on us in any way. I thought Republicans and their whole thing was defense and money and war and yeah and foreign policy so wasn't it was it a departure for basically a republican administration to be so selfishly and self-serving america first yeah i mean so that that was a departure from for example the bush administration's foreign policy the bush administration's foreign policy was about power projection out into the world right mm. so we were going to shape the world in our image and do it um, you know, with a security lens, right? Like the global war on ter terrorism, everything was global. We wanted to have a reach everywhere um, and to sort of ensure security, but also project American values out into the world. So there is almost an opposite way to frame what the Trump foreign policy, to the extent that it had a foreign policy, what the Trump foreign policy looked like. But there were some consistencies, right? Like the extent to which American foreign policy was really defined around, you know, sort of uh, American interests and and not ever using benevolence as the way that they define their foreign policy was is sort of a classic Republican way of framing it. When Biden says America's back, I mean, I'm sort of poking fun a little bit, but there is a sense that the United States is also the country that built the world order. Like we, after World War II, took great pains to construct a world that was, you know, to the extent that we could help, free, fair, right? Establish and strengthen the United Nations, establish NATO, um, oh God. establish other, <laughs> I said it, <laughs> I said NATO. <laughs> Um, everyone, everyone, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had like one instruction. Um, so uh, established acronyms um, yeah. of international organizations <laughs> that, that really helped to create a, a, a global environment that encouraged not just prosperity, which is really important, but human rights, right? And, and a respect for human rights and a global order that would help 
create a world in which human rights were better observed across the world. And that that commitment to that idea that the United States can help shape how other countries view human rights is not as embraced on the on the Republican side, typically, because they're usually thinking about foreign policy in the sense of American prosperity and American interests at home. That's, of course, like not, you know, I'm sure I'll find Republicans who will quibble with me about, you know, that that's not a fair articulation of the way that they see the world. But but in terms of Republican politics, I do feel like there's a much stronger need to articulate, like, how does whatever we're doing abroad bring money to people back home? Right. Um, right. That sounds and, right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and I get it. Right. As I as I mentioned, our foreign policy is very expensive. And so I do understand our need to justify to the American people why we need to spend that money. Well, have you be you're the expert we're having on. You are going to be our guidebook, <laughs> our our conscience, all of it. So what should we be doing? What what should how should Biden's foreign policy other than America's back? I kind of like a a bitchy snarky like Paris Hilton moment with that but what what I liked what you described yeah. about human rights and I thought oh that sounds like nice that's giving me a good feeling I never got that before I always thought it was all about warmongering and you know showing our power and and, colonization yeah no and one can fuck with us taking things like dictators that. down but not really <laughs> right well one of the things that um that we really need to be doing is rebuilding trust in those international institutions that have helped carry the water. Because what we need to do, frankly, is shore ourselves up against the political sways that we may not have control over. So let's build an enduring international capability to deal with these things that will not necessarily be swung in a certain direction if an American election goes in one particular way. So that means, you know, like th this is not, by the way, what everyone believes, but you're, yeah, you you're, got you're it. Today. No, we yeah. want to, we want <laughs> your, yeah, this, is, um, this is President Lindsay of foreign policy right now. It may, it may look like strengthening the United Nations. There are a lot of people who don't find the United Nations to be a particularly effective institution. Mm. It may mean strengthening other institutions, including four letter acronyms right. that shall not be named um it may, but but what it what it really means is is working with the other nations that make up these international organizations that frankly have taken a huge hit and it's not just trump over the last couple decades in terms of their effectiveness and um the amount of uh faith that people place in them um to figure out how to enable them to sort of create some global stability around some of these questions. So that would be where I would like to start. And I do think that there's a strong commitment from the Biden folks to international institutions and trying to build them up in that way. Um, you know, but there's not that that strength in the United States. So there are certain treaties, for example, that the U.S. is never going to sign because you're never going to get folks in the Senate to mm. um, to vote to ratify them. Like what? There's a limit to how much like for example, do. and you may say the words. So, like for example, like what? <laughs> like what would be a specific um, example of that? The so the International Criminal Court, right? The United the United States is never going to sign on to that. Um, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, the United States is not going to sign on to that. And these are mm. these are like the weirdest. What are those uh, like situations. torture things? <laughs> they sound like torture things. <laughs> no, they're the opposite of torture things. That so the International Criminal Court is trying to punish people who torture people. Um, oh, so but, the United uh, States isn't going to sign on to that because they're like, we're not getting dragged yeah. into international court. Oh, you got it. Okay. okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. you got it. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, I see. but we we were the primary architects or among the architects of the International Criminal Court and the statute that created it. Hmm. So it's it's right. kind of like one of these things where we the United States speaks with one voice and really right. wants to champion these issues. And then we can't do it ourselves. And we look a little hypocritical when we turn to the world and we're like, no, no, no but you all really need to sign on to this thing because, you know, torture. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's tough. You know, UN Convention on the Law of the Sea is just rules about how we should all behave with respect to, you know, sort of who owns what in the ocean and what you're allowed to do in different mm. parts of it. So like the Department of Defense and the U.S. military, they keep asking, this is like sort of completely backwards kind of politics. They keep asking the Senate to ratify it because it would make their lives easier if everyone played by the same rules. And they kind of just have decided that they're going to follow it anyway. Um, but the Senate says, no, it does, it, or certain senators are going to hold it up saying it takes away our sovereignty to um, give over what we would want to do in any given instance to this treaty. And by so, certain like senators, that, we're talking Mitch McConnell, right? I mean, he controls this, what goes into the Senate, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're mostly on the Republican side. I, I don't, I don't know that there are Democrats who are against it, but there, there are a number of stalwarts on the Republican side who are just like, never going to let this happen. Shocking. And this is like a perpetual issue. Like every year there's somebody who stands up and is like, you know, we should do. <laughs> we should ratify the U.S. Convention on the Law of the Sea, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we, we've we've done this before, guys. Like, um, it's probably not going to happen. Um, same with you know, International Criminal Court and some of these other things. But those are the two examples that came to mind when you asked wow. the question. Well, let's so, talk allies then. Yeah. Who, do we have any left, and who are they? <laughs> um, so there is this organization and it <laughs> is called the North Atlantic <laughs> Treaty Organization which I will not reduce to an acronym um, and it does include many allies that organization that shall not be named also um, has a lot of partners so we end up not just working with the folks who are in the alliance but with all of the partner organizations mm. who want a piece of the action and want to be a part of this coalition um, there's a lot of of cooperation there it's actually really cool in my reserve job in in the marine corps i'm still in the marine corps reserves i actually work for the organization that shall not be named and oh yeah i know um it is so cool like you get to hang out with people from all these other militaries who all just like really you learn so much about just you know how to do things better a different idea all different languages all different cultures all working towards common purposes mm. um so it's a really it's a really neat environment um, and it still exists and is going strong. The problem with that organization is that its primary purpose back in the day was about the Soviet Union. And since the Soviet Union dismantled, there hasn't been a great articulation of why we need to spend this much money propping up this thing. Um, and the real answer is because it helps maintain friendships. It helps maintain mm -hmm. capability. It, it, it's sort of like our, you know, sort of um, reserve capability and relationships that we might need someday. So it's still there, but it's hard because the way that we have behaved to them is by saying, you guys are our allies and that's great, but we also sometimes hate you and are going to say really mean <laughs> stuff about you. Um and make you wonder whether we would actually, because ultimately the question is, would we come to your defense if you were attacked? In particular by Russia or someone really scary, 
right? Um, and there are a lot of nations that are now allied with us who are concerned that we would not come to their defense under those circumstances. The fun fact about the organization not to be named is that um, the only time that we have ever invoked the collective defense provision, so the part of the treaty that establishes the alliance that we are talking about, the only time that we've ever called into play that that idea that like all of NATO will come to the defense of one country was on September 11th. So the United States, yeah, the United States is the only beneficiary of this common defense provision until now. Um, Yeah. So it's not in it. Is like, so like Russia is not in it. Russia. And they're still scary. And I guess China's China's not in it. So those two. Basically, yeah. And then like countries that have other stuff to worry about. Right. Like, I mean, like most countries in Europe are in it, but some choose to stay neutral and aren't in it. Some of the ones that border Russia are in it and are like clinging to it for their survival. And then some of the ones that border Russia in other places are like, no, 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 we're neutral. Don't worry about it. We're not going to. So they're they're just partners. They don't do. So like Mm. Finland is a partner to NATO, but they don't want to piss Russia off. So they're they're kind of like going to stay stay neutral. But then they do every single exercise with NATO and hang out with NATO all the time. So we build some good friendships there and we still have allies. You know, Japan is still an ally. South Korea is still an ally. We, We have strong alliances around the world that I think are still strong they're just not as strong as they were and the people the you know those countries look at us and they're just like what are they up to (laughs) well speaking of some of those countries yeah can you explain to us what the hell just happened in iran (laughs) um and maybe explain a little bit about the iran nuclear deal who started it are we in it now did they break it with what just happened i know a lot we're all very confused yeah okay so the iran deal in its simplest form was us saying that we would take away a whole bunch of sanctions that we had put on them in exchange for them stopping their nuclear program for a time. So that's what the deal was. We we were doing billions of dollars of sanctions on Iran and crippling their economy and because they're bad actors. And one of the bad things that they were doing was trying to build nuclear weapons. And so they said in, in exchange for not building nuclear weapons for a time, we said that we would stop doing these sanctions or stop most of the sanctions, not all of them. And we got five other countries to do it with us, including, you're going to be very surprised at this list, Mm. Russia, China, Mm. yeah, France, UK, and Germany. So we've got like, yeah. So like crazy list of people that we never agree with on anything came to the table and agreed to the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which is a not great name for... Iran nuclear deal, which is and what that they was, should have called And it. Obama um, did that, right? Yes. Okay. Right. This was during the Obama administration. So what was what's the downside? Because everyone, you know, there's a whole faction of people that are like, I don't even need to tell yeah. you how bad it is. People hate it. Right. Right. And and so the the people so no one loves the deal. There are the people who say this is the best we could do and it was and it was like pretty good. And then there are people who are like, no, it's awful. Um, But there's no one who says, like, this is a great deal. And the reason that no one says that it's a great deal is because you've got a consistent, terrible actor who's doing bad stuff and you're punishing it for doing bad stuff. And you're going to say, if you don't, if you stop doing this one bad thing, I'm also going to stop punishing you for doing all this other bad stuff. Mm, Okay. Right. Like, so so that's, so it was kind of like terrible incentives and, and there was a sunset provision too. So it was like, you know, after there are different parts of it, but let's say after 10 years, once it's done, they have to either renegotiate it or they can just go back to building nuclear weapons. Right. So 
so there's just a sense of like this is a band-aid on a much bigger problem mm-hmm. and we're gonna like kind of make it seem like Iran's doing good right now, which they're not. They're just not doing one kind of bad. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like, right. um, meanwhile, they're also like backing militias in other countries where we're involved and like harming Americans and that kind of thing. So what? we said what's happening in, in yeah. Iran. Like last week, they um, were backing an Iraqi militia that attacked some Americans and coalition forces that were based in Iraq. So it was like an Iraq to Iraq attack, but the money and the and the support came from Iran. Okay. And mm. they killed two American contractors, they killed a British soldier, they wounded a bunch of others. What do you think um, that Iran and- what is their what is their what is their end game? What do you think it is with Iran? Like uh, I'm you know, we, with many people think many different things. Like what is it that they ultimately want, do you think? two things i think they want regional domination right like Mm -hmm. so they want to have more power within their region to kind of like pull the puppet strings and make stuff happen for them and they want america off their back so like just get get america out of here and so and the thing is there's a lot of different people who want america off their back for lots of different reasons and they're one of them but they're one that's you know a fairly strong historical power strong regional power and a lot of military capability mm-hmm. and they have exactly. oil right they yeah they've got oil a lot of people in the region have oil <laughs> and we want all of that <laughs> right we we do but um so we are much more energy independent than we used to be so oil before we discovered all the like natural gas in the United States, which only happened about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, before that, we were severely insecure about our energy situation. And so we made all these alliances, especially with Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. to make sure that we never got into the type of crisis that we got into in the 70s when they cut off our oil and then there were like lines around the block forever to mm-hmm. fuel mm-hmm. up at the pump. This is before I was even born, but like, um, but you know, we all hear stories about like oil yeah. crisis, 1970s. Um, and so we never wanted that to happen again. And that prompted us to make some of these alliances, especially with Saudi Arabia. But now we're we are more independent. That's good. I mean, good. I'm like yeah. dealing with complete yeah. 80s technology. I'm like, we want that oil. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. So at least look, I already learned something. I try and work out what is it that Iran, Iran wants ultimately? And what is it that we want from Iran ultimately? What are we trying to do here? And I think everyone's trying to figure it out as far as it is that you don't want a dictator in there. We need the oil. We have to control it because of Iraq. It's just all of these different things. And none of it is super, super clear. The thing about us pulling out of the JCPOA is it kind of makes them look like a victim. And that shouldn't, I don't want people to get confused about that. Like they are awful fomenting (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Horrible. They're like horrible. Right. Horrible. So they're not good. And a lot of our policy towards them is to address their misbehavior, but it becomes this like self-perpetuating cycle because then they think that we're the bad ones. And so then they retaliate against us. And then we say, see, they're misbehaving even worse. And then we end up in this whole situation. Right. Well, what do you think we should do or let's say Biden should do about like the situation with Saudi Arabia, where it was that the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Now, he was originally he was from Saudi Arabia. He, he I guess he became an mm-hmm. American. Right. He was like a dissident or something. And then he was a journalist here. Right. But they you know, that was a hideous, horrendous, horrific situation. What happened to that guy? And now people, you know, Republicans demanding, let's go in there and whatever. Like, what what do you think should be done in situations like that? 
It's hard. I mean, I, as somebody who um, has the benefit of looking on from the outside um, and who like, you know, I mean, I think you can already tell, like, I'm someone who is a little bit like pie in the sky about like human rights and values and we should have them. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah. And so like, for me, it's, it's actually pretty hard to reconcile why we can't go stronger on Saudi Arabia about this. Um, the explanation, so if I'm, if I'm trying to be fair, is that we are very entangled with Saudi Arabia, right? It's not as simple as just like turning off a light switch. We've got intelligence sharing with them. We've got like weapons that go back and forth. We've been supporting this fight in Yemen forever with the Saudis. We've had this longstanding relationship where every administration since, you know, for decades has made a point of these strong state visits between our leaders and their leaders and built this relationship historically. So, um, so it's not easy to disentangle, right? Like it, it, if we were writing off a, a smaller country that we didn't have a lot of time and effort and programs and stuff like that invested in, I think it'd be easier just to be like, you're dead to us because that was awful. Um, like divorce said, is hard. Splitting up the splitting up the house is hard. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't think it's impossible. I mean, that's the thing is like it's it's going to right. I, I I started by saying like I think we probably should try to figure out how to divorce the Saudis. Yeah, let's start the process. Um, but yeah. like maybe we do some Talk kind to Katie of a Holmes separation dad. trial yeah, separation. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, but it's going to be one of those where, like, we don't want them dating anybody else either. Because, right. Well, they like, definitely shouldn't. Not, they should not. You know, We're going to have to um, warn everyone that they're toxic. I think they've proven they should not be dating anybody. <laughs> <laughs> they're terrible in relationships. Okay, before we um, let you go, let's. I want to know just, like, some fangirl stuff. So who would you say would be your, in your industry, what is, like, the, like the, like the coup de grace, like, the Secretary of State? And who is your favorite? So I'm a DOD person, so Department of Defense. Okay, okay. So that's I that's was in the, the military, thing. and that's where I used to work. So, so like our dude now is Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin. Yes, right, yep. and he seems great. Uh, I have no complaints thus far. It's been a hot second. But, so you've never you know, interacted with him good. or seen him around in the in in the scene. No, he was a surprise pick. So, um, so I told you we I, I run an organization called the Leadership Council for Women in National Security. There is just like no question, an incredibly qualified woman named Michelle Fournoy, who every woman in our field is like an obsessed fan girl for Michelle Fournoy because she's wonderful. She is just incredibly competent. There's no question she could have done the job. And she really does the work to like lift mm. up other women and mentor women. And she'll take gender head on, right? Like she's not she's not a woman who's gotten ahead and then kind of like had to distance herself from gender and from helping others and that kind of thing, which does happen, unfortunately, sometimes, which mm. is someone who really um, runs in the other direction and and has helped a lot of folks and been a really strong, wonderful mentor to people in our field. There's all these people who are like, oh, it's going to be Michelle Flanner. Wouldn't that be so cool? First woman secretary of defense and blah, blah. And that's a big wow. deal. So like everyone, everyone had their articles written. <laughs> For Michelle Fournoy, like I had talked to, you know, folks in the press who were getting ready to get the quote from Elsie Wins when we get the first woman Secretary of Defense. And it was like, and it's Lloyd Austin. And everyone's like, oh. I mean, I'm just curious now, just yeah. just like like a just like the the meat and potatoes, if you will, yeah. of like being a Marine. Yeah. Like a cool. lady Marine. You lady Marine. <laughs> like you know, very cool. Do you do you enjoy watching military things or have you seen the movie G.I. Jane? Do you think that that's oh, yeah. accurate? A few good men. Ooh, A Few Good Men. Like, do you oh, like that I stuff? I cannot 
stand if you could. Um, <laughs> I can't Why? watch it anymore. Because, well, it's like when you become expert on anything, then when you watch stuff yeah. and the thing that you're expert on, you're just like picking it apart. And yeah. so a few good men drives. So this is my like, I run a lady organization. Um, so <laughs> like a few good men. So Demi Moore outranks Tom Cruise, right? Like she is what's called an 04. She's a lieutenant commander. And Tom Cruise is a lieutenant JG. So that's an 02. So she's two ranks above him. And if you remember the movie, like all she does is swoon over him and ask him for his advice about how they're supposed to try this mm. case. And so I was also a judge advocate in the Marine Corps. And so this one like hits really like oh close to home. So <laughs> that was yes. my job. Like, um, I also founded the Marine Corps, by the way. And I mean, what <laughs> happened? You know? So great. God, God, like, they, I'm just saying their job, their job was my job. Like I was a lawyer too. Incredible. So, um, so and yeah, so like I was, but I was Kevin Bacon in that movie because he was the Marine. Um, so oh, okay. like if you're trying right, to right, right. picture it, um, mm. but yeah, she, she's just like higher ranking, but swooning over him. And I'm like, this is everything wrong with how people perceive gender and the military. And, you know, like, um, like she's like, I mean, she's, she has a substantive role, but like her role is to be the lady, not like yeah. two ranks above him and doing her job as a person in the military. Mm-hmm. I was so, much more anyway. into Kevin Bacon's outfit than I was hers. <laughs> I know that. I can't deal with her outfit. That, that. that was the first thing. Well, the, I told you my mom's from Chile. So the first thing she did when I told her was join the Marine Corps, I was freaked out. But after that, after she got over it, she came back and she's like, okay. I need to see the uniforms. Yeah, and exactly. then, like, I need to know. I need to know. And this is a really stupid question. I would like to know now in this current age as a lady Marine, are you when you do dress up things or when you do things where you guys go to like, you know, I don't know, whatever like thing where you have to wear your, are you allowed to or can you choose to wear a pant rather than a skirt? Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Then I I, I support you. Okay. Yeah, but but, but yes. it is a high-waisted sort of poofy thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you almost have like, to go with so, a skirt so, so you don't look tragic. Well, so that's the thing is you have to choose between being in the little skirt uh-huh. or being frumpy, right? It's like, it's like yeah. yeah so... Well, thank you um, yeah, so much so, for doing this. You were oh amazing. God. More I mean, than we could have asked we for. Could talk, we could talk. We just want to keep talking to you. have so many questions. And so we can't thank you enough for just giving us the information that you have. Oh, thank you. This was really fun. I'd love to come back anytime. Tell yes. our 14 listeners <laughs> where they can find you if they want to learn. I mean. Yes, thank you. No, I love the excuse for a good plug. So we <laughs> are the Leadership Council for Women and National Security. It's lcwins.org, lcwins.org. Um, definitely check out our website. We're on Twitter at, L- at lc underscore wins. We're on Facebook. We are on LinkedIn and we love, love having folks come join our community join our email list. Women Um, in national security is like the the WAP for the military. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm living for women in national security wins. Like I'm just like loving it. I just love it. it. It's so great. So nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Great to meet you guys. Thanks again. Now it's time for So There's That.
All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a So There's That Moment that's happening because of or in spite of the diarrhea toilet Republicans and the ignorant Facebook Fox News army that follows them. America is filled to the brim with corrupt corporate cocksuckers from Jerry Falwell Jr. to Dick Cheney, sociopaths who amassed their fortunes by exploiting the bureaucratic uh. barf bag of the United <laughs> States government, which in turn gave birth to 70 million broke, paranoid assholes who mistrust the government so much that they stormed the Capitol in the name of ridiculous conspiracy theories. <laughs> the entire situation is depressing and unbelievable, and the fact that Julie has to dive headfirst into this ship pool every week and come out with an inspirational story to make us all feel hopeful is just beyond words at this point. She hates doing it, so we compromise. I recycle this intro every week, and she half-asses <laughs> the stories. Right, Meow Meow? That's right! Thank you for seeing me. And a lot of times you pick Facebook Amazon, things such as things I hate just to really, really please me. And they do. And guess what? <laughs> this week is no exception. I hope this pleases everybody. I mean, I saw you preparing it and I knew it was about Amazon and I just thought, I am so excited. <laughs> and I hear I see you, see you preparing and you're going like this. Oh my God, I can't believe this. You're like muttering to yourself. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and horrified and excited, but also rejuvenated to report today that even though we're not going to talk about Mark Zuckerberg again, we are going to focus on the other bald knob who's <laughs> gobbling up all our resources, people, time, mental health, actual health, and monopolizing America's economy and the man behind the biggest con in history, Jeff Bezos. Now it goes without saying that after he reached making a trillion fucking dollars because of and in the pandemic... Jeff Bezos <laughs> has left the chairmanship of Amazon. I'm sure to go build a colony on Mars where he clones his penis and he wants to be the emperor of Bezos land and try and rule the fucking universe. I can only hope the aliens from Phenomenon, the movie, are watching and have already constructed a plan with their large eyes and brains that will include melting Jeff Bezos into a pile of Velveeta, at which point they will eat him and shit him into the cosmos to live as a floating infinite space garbage sack. But until that time, it's Amazon's world and we're all stuck in its cult orbit of convenience and cheap knock off shit made in China that you get at a moment's notice. Not you, Meow Meow, because you know that you have impulse control <laughs> and we turned off your Amazon and your life got exponentially better. You got a lot more personal self-control and personal self-esteem from that. We don't need that shit. If you want a fucking book, go on another shitty corporation, Barnes & Noble, and get it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and you know, we don't know what every owner of every company gives their money to or how shitty whatever, whoever, whoever. But I can tell you this. I can tell you that thrift books and Goodreads <laughs> is not some gigantic conglomeration that's killing the universe the way Amazon is. Now, have you asked yourself, why can I get this shower head or shovel or bale of hay at a moment's notice? From what magical land are these things coming from? And how are they able to offer so many different products when Amazon is just like a website and stuff and doesn't actually produce anything except money for Jeff Bezos? <laughs> it's because Amazon employees who are stationed at the 185 warehouses or for fulfillment centers around the world, and 110 of those are specifically in the United States. 
where all of this actual garbage is. They are forced to work under a quota system that has produced more workplace injuries and illnesses than workers in the Schatz Brewery. <laughs> That's where Laverne and Shirley worked. Actually, in case you were wondering, in 2020, Amazon did report that there were 14,000 serious injuries. Wow. 14,000. Okay. Shamazo. So, I broke my foot incorporated. <laughs> da, 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 da. Now, the warehouses work like you'd expect. Like the famous Lucy show where the chocolate came down the conveyor belt and if she missed one of the chocolate, the whole thing goes crazy and she ends up shoving them all in her mouth and her pockets and then she falls and she's flailing everywhere. Or like the classic Family Guy episode where they did an homage to Lucy except it was pills and Peter and Quagmire <laughs> basically end up having to eat all the pills and they have strokes and blood comes out their nose and they die. This is what it's like apparently inside an Amazon fulfillment center. So employees around the country, they've tried to make changes, but nothing seems to change. And just a few weeks ago, employees in a plant in Alabama that is situated in one of the poorest towns in the state, not to mention where 80% of its employees at Amazon are people of color, have decided to take back the night and they've hit the streets and the airwaves and they're trying to unionize. This is a huge deal, okay? Now, I didn't know that apparently there's an entire union dedicated to retail workers. It's called the RWDSU, Retail Workers Wholesale and Department Store Union. I think it speaks for itself. The Amazon employees contacted the RWDSU for help in joining or creating a union for Amazon workers starting in the state of Alabama. Now, it's illegal for a company to fire or stand in the way publicly or technically while employees are starting to or trying to start a union. But what they can do is to produce their own propaganda. They can certainly make it harder for the employees and pretend they're not, which is, of course, what Amazon is doing. I will say this about Amazon to their credit. They do pay their employees across the board $15 per hour which is why they can feel they can stand on their high horse and act like they're an awesome company to work for. They offer health benefits. They they offer a, a huge health benefit package, a 401k and all that stuff. But they use that as leverage to prove why there should not be a union. So they're constantly waving this, we've got benefits, we've got this, we pay you $15 an hour. What are you complaining about? You have it so good. There's no other company in the, in the country that does this. And, you know, in some ways... There is truth to it, but in other ways, they have an incredibly unsafe work environment that they aren't doing anything to change. They bully them. It's underhanded. Now, one of the things that they did in Alabama is that Amazon reportedly changed the timing of a traffic light outside the warehouse where union organizers were trying to meet with workers as they'd go inside so they could describe to them, explain to them what being a part of a union means and what they could do about it. That light outside that warehouse, you know, you'd be have a red light for what, two minutes or whatever. Right. And during that time, that's when they would talk to these people in their cars. The RWDSU is basically accusing, and these other workers are too, that Amazon went to the city and had them change the timing of those lights so that the green light would go faster so that union organizers couldn't talk to workers. It's a very insidious thing that they're doing and they're doing all shitty things like this. Amazon even launched a website called doitwithoutdues.com. 
And in the website, it tries to paint a picture where you're better off without a union because all you're going to do is pay dues and get no actual benefit in return. You're going to pay dues. You're going to pay $500. It's going to come out of your... I mean, they're talking about $500, like some amount that's not even who, you know, anything. an arbitrary... Arbitrary amount. We don't know. Once a union is created, as we know, we're a part of a union... They will work with that company for guidelines, procedures, and they won't let those workers work until they've come to an agreement. And the only reason anyone ever unionizes is because you're being overworked and underpaid and a lot of times put in needless danger because you are being exploited. And that is exactly what is happening. So everything about it is geared towards the money making for Amazon, and it is not about the safety, the well-being, and the efficiency and the and happiness of the worker. no reason those people should have been essential workers. They should have gotten been allowed to stay home during the pandemic, and they weren't. Right. That was the other thing. They were essential workers. In addition to the brave Amazon workers who we all need to support in this endeavor, this week has been coined Boycott Amazon Week. So I know it's a sacrifice. Now I say we all need to stand together and fucking boycott Amazon. It's a little sacrifice that we can make in solidarity with the workers who are trying to unionize. Think of what they're going through. They don't know if they're going to lose their job. There's all the fear mongering is going on. What if we unionize? We're going to lose this. We're not going to make this much money, blah, blah. They're, they don't know. And these Norma Ray heroes are sacrificing their mental health, their well-being, their jobs. The, uh, the higher ups are treating them like shit. So that they can have a safer, healthier workplace that's productive for everyone. So I think that we all need to boycott Amazon this week. Just do it for a week. And what they say is, you know, you're already boycotting it for life. Mm-hmm. I boycott it all the time. Right. We don't have Alexa or anything like that. So people, there's people who go dip on there every day because they don't even want to deal with going like, right. oh, I need dog treats. And they just have it sent right. immediately. Right. So try it. It would be good for your own mental health anyways. Just as something fun. Think of it like Lent or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, Just say you're going to give it up when you hear this podcast for one week. Unplug your Alexa device. These spy (laughs) devices that are sending all of your information, every single thing you say and do after Amazon. Unplug it. Slide the TV out the door like poltergeist (laughs) of the hotel and get Jeff Bezos out of your fucking life for one week. Just turn off Amazon for a week. We can all see that it would, how it will actually really will improve your life and it will empower you because we don't need that cheap ass bullshit. Ultimately, end of the day with this, Show Amazon that just at least for a week that you're standing by the workers and that you believe in labor unions and unions for workers and rights for workers and people shouldn't have to be subjected to being injured all the time or quotas. Alabama is one of the, you know, the poorest state in the union, uh, second to Kentucky and the city where this is taking place with this warehouse with these heroes Talk about heroes. All we've been hearing nothing nonstop about fucking heroes in this goddamn yeah. pandemic. These are heroes. Yeah, they right. keep people in these poor states poor, and they have one little section of rich white assholes yep. that runs everything. It would really just, in terms of like morale for people in the South, people who are being bullied by fucking Amazon. Like, I mean, this is our Norma Ray moment. Our, this our, is, our this is. That's right. This is our Norma Ray moment. And these people are doing it. They're out in the street. They're look at, they want to be unionized. They want to work. They want to work. They just want a place that's safe, that they can feel good about, that they're not worried about their fucking safety and health. That's all that they want is like the same thing that everybody else wants. And we can Norma Ray with them just by boycotting Amazon for a week. And I swear to you, I promise you that week that week will turn into two and before you know it it's going to turn into three and you're going to feel so much better about yourself as we all do when we sacrifice a little bit for something greater than ourselves so there's that 
So that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. Thank you guys for listening to our stupid podcast. We love and appreciate all 14 of you so much. If you're new here and you like us, but you'd rather not hear about politics, please consider checking out our Patreon podcast. Our Patreon podcasts are completely different than this. There's no politics, no ads, no structure, no rules. <laughs> and best of all, there's no pressure to join the Patreon once you're on the Patreon. So let me repeat that for the reviewer who likes what we have to say, but quote, doesn't appreciate the endless sales pitch. There are no ads on our Patreon podcast, but the thing is that one is not free. That one is not free. No, it isn't, but it's only a dollar. You get one podcast a week for $1 and two podcasts a week for $2. And when you sign up, you will immediately get access to our huge back catalog, which has hundreds of hours of stupid, stress-free, ad-free podcasts. Plus, you get the philanthropic satisfaction of knowing that with one single dollar, you are contributing to what has become basically our sole source of income in this pandemic. But if being pressured to help us pay our bills out of the kindness of your heart isn't working, then go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and listen to a free one to see if you like it. Yes, free. Again, obviously, we all like free things. You wouldn't be here if you didn't like free things. All you have to do is scroll down the locked podcast until you get to September of last year and look for the episode called Windows Up Sing Time and then you just press play. You can listen to the whole hour right there from your phone or computer and you don't have to download anything or sign up for anything. Yeah, and I know we tell you this every time, but if you decide to sign up, navigating the DGP Patreon community and listening to the podcast is super easy. You can always just go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and it's all right there. Or you can download the free Patreon app and listen on that. Or if you don't want to deal with all that, you can easily import our Patreon podcast feed into iTunes or whatever podcast player you use, and then it'll just automatically show up there next to whatever podcast you subscribe to. If you're curious at all, you should go and listen to the free one. You literally have nothing to lose. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. I can't wait for my stimulus check. <laughs> How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime, because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man. By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme And maybe play you a sign You look like you're both pretty groovy Want something visual that's not too abysmal. We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat wheel. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, 
It'll all seem all right I'll get you a satanic mechanic I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Night Or maybe a bite Night I could show you my favorite obsession I've been making a man With blonde hair and a tan And he's good for relieving my tension I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite Transsexual Transylvania <laughs> So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain is really to blame So I'll remove the cause <laughs> But not the symptom 